Okay, if you will, turn with me this morning in our text to 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7 will be our text this morning. It reads this way. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, how glorious Thou art. I thank You, Lord, that You have assembled us this day, that You have maintained our freedom to do so, that Thou hast put it in our hearts today to assemble in Thy name, quelled all the fears and put them down and drew us here this morning. Lord, we pray that Thy presence would be among us, that You would be pleased to open the floodgates of heaven this day, Lord. May Thy truth come to our souls. May You comfort us in Thy Word. May you cause us, Lord, to look heavenward, to look to thee, Lord, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, bless us with that faith to do so. And Lord, in this hour, may all of our fears and all of our worries and all the things that are running through our minds, may you lay them captive by thy Son, and may you bring all of our thoughts to the obedience of him. Lord, may you bless this time for the glory of thy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our text today tells us something. That Christ is our Passover. That Christ is our Passover. The Passover is Christ and He is our Passover. It's not a ceremony. It's not an ordinance. It's not a law. It's not an Old Testament idea. Paul, just as we talked about month or two ago, as Christ is our rock, Christ is our Passover. This morning I want to look at what that means. We today, as we sit in this world, are in dire need to see Christ our Passover. What we are in Christ and what He has passed over. (laughs) That is important to know. As important as the Holy Spirit is willing this morning to reveal to us what we have in Christ. If you would be so kind with me and turn over to Exodus 12, where we find this account of when the Lord brought about the Passover. You know, I often think of Jesus' words when He told the high religious people of His day to search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. They are they that testify of me. He knew they searched the scriptures. He knew that that's all they did most of their days. But what they couldn't see is that they testified of Christ. Sometimes when we look at these passages in the Old Testament, that's what they're seeing to us. This is what happened then. Or this is what... No, we just heard today, Paul said, Christ is our Passover. What does that mean for you and I sitting here today? This, what the Lord put in place on this night and these days many years ago have everything to do with Christ. They testify of me. Lord willing, you'll see that this morning. We have fears. We have anxiety. The people of Israel had anxiety. They had great bondage. They had 
They were in bondage to fear. They were in bondage to their life. But the Lord provided as the Lord always does. We pick up right in the beginning of chapter 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron. He spoke to his mediator. He spoke to his prophet. He spoke to his priest. And he said to them, as, as he spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. The land of Egypt first and foremost tells us that the people are still in bondage. It's a great picture for you and I today. As you see, and I'm sure you can testify, as we go and we read the headlines and we see things worsening every day, bondage comes up. The fears come up. And we're subject to that fear. And as we're subject to that fear and our mind starts to run, we're in the bondage of that fear. We're in the bondage of that headline. We're in the bondage of life, wherever it is, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's wherever we go in the grocery stores and we somebody's coughing or somebody's got something, a mask on them. We all go through these things. That's a reality. It's a reality in our life today. But that's what I want to talk about today. What is the reality? As we go through this bondage and we, we have these things that we're subjected to in the day times and the night times and the times of these fears, the Lord spoke to them as they were in the land of Egypt saying, this month, shall be unto you the beginning of months. What does that mean? This will be a time of deliverance. It is a time of deliverance. This will be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. For all of these years, you've been in bondage. You've been in Egypt. You haven't been delivered. You've been under the taskmasters. You've been under the fears. You've been under the tyranny of the law. You've been under all of these things. But today, today, at this time, at my appointed time, I will set you free. Freedom is coming. And that's how the Lord deals with His people. As we do, we're put under bondage every day by our sinful nature, by our fears, and the Lord comes and sets us free and gives us deliverance. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, that's important to know just for math reasons a little bit later, the tenth day of the month. In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb. What is our deliverance? Our deliverance is the Lamb. Our deliverance is the Lamb of God. John said it this way in John 1.29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus said it this way in John 8.36. He said, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Our deliverance is in the Lamb. Our deliverance is in this One who the Lord has laid everything upon. So, so now we have, He says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of the fathers, a lamb for a house. Every home is to have the lamb provided for them. 
Now this, we don't take this today to understand and extrapolate it, that every, land, every house in the country of the United States or the world has the lamb given to him. No. But every child of God's family, that's the family of Christ in him, all have this lamb given to them. That's how we understand it. That's how the scriptures say that the Lord is faithful to his corporate church, his corporate body, but each individual in them. Every individual will feed upon this lamb. How are we to feed upon that lamb? Well, we're not, we've got a lot more to go here. Exodus 12. Now we're in verse 4. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls, every man according to his eating. Don't miss that. Every man according to his eating. That's important because we're about to talk about the consumption of this lamb. The Lord's um, purpose in showing forth this lamb is that the entire lamb must be consumed. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. So as we move from chapter, I mean verse 4, uh, every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb, that'll tell you how many you need and how many of each household. He goes back in five and he describes what this lamb will be. This is chapter 12 of Exodus verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That's very important. The lamb shall be without spot. The lamb shall be without blemish. Who does that remind you of? Our Lord Jesus Christ who had no sin. Who knew no sin. In Hebrews 4.15 we're told that for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. It's a lamb without spot without blemish. That was so important. This typified Christ. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, our text this morning. Christ our Passover. Christ is our Passover. Christ is the one who was sinless. Christ is the perfect sacrifice to appease the wrath of the Father. Christ was the only sacrifice that could pay the multitude of sins. Christ is the only one, as you see, whose blood was worthy and efficacious and powerful to wash away our sins. So take, the lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. That's important. Because the male of the first year showed the vigor and it showed the strength and it showed the fullness of life. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ, when He went to the cross, was in the prime of His life. He was in his 30s, early 30s, a, a strong man in the prime of life stricken down. This lamb was to be taken a male of the first year. Now notice this. Ye shall take it out of from the sheep or from the goats. Oh my, we have a problem. We have a problem. I thought it had to be a lamb. Well, it did have to be a lamb. It had to be a lamb without spot. But if they ran out of the lambs without spot, if there wasn't those, you could provide a kid, a goat, 
Why is that important to us? Because Christ is pictured as both. Christ is taught, we're told in, in what well, we already read John 1 29 where we said the next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and said behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world but Leviticus 16 10 tells us something and shows us something about this scapegoat but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord that was the Lord Jesus Christ our scapegoat to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. That pictured Christ. Christ was without the camp. Christ was the perfect sacrifice. All of the sins were transferred upon Christ. Christ was the scapegoat for all of his people. Every one of them. So we don't lose the type when, uh, when we're told here, take it from the sheep or from the goats. Certainly, this does not mean that Christ died for the sheep and the goats. Christ was pictured as the scapegoat. Christ was everywhere in the Word of God. The Scriptures testify of Christ over and over. The things that we start to get prejudice against, like goats because of sheep and goats, the Lord is, is, is shown as a goat, shown as that scapegoat. We get prejudice against those slithering snakes that come up and the Lord is the brazen serpent because it's the Lord. It is the Lord's virtue. It is the Lord's grace. It is the Lord who is seen in all of these things. We can't get swallowed up in the types and what they are because they testify of Christ. It's all about Him. So you, the lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. But then we go to verse 6. And you shall keep it unto the 14th day. I told you math would come into play here. We're told up there in verse 2. What was it? Verse 3. 10th day. So now we come to the 14th day. Which is four days. Jesus in his entry to Jerusalem was there four days. Before he was crucified. All the scriptures must be fulfilled of him. On that 14th day, you shall keep it until the 14th day. Well, the purpose of that was to try that. Make sure no blemish comes up in that. Make sure there's nothing wrong with that lamb that you have chosen. Not Make sure there's nothing wrong with that goat that you have chosen. Make sure there's no blemish. There's nothing. And those days signify the time that Christ's ministry was here. And Christ did everything of His Father's will. And He was tried. And He was... And he was um, he did everything perfectly and at the end of his life here on earth all man could say as they railed against him and they tried to find fault in him and as they brought false witnesses up against our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and they paid people to say things against him at the end of the day after all that is said and done after all of the trials after everything all Pilate could do is wash his hands of this transaction and say, I find no fault in him. He was a lamb without spot. The devils and all of it that's at power in this world, they come together and they can have, as Jesus said, the devil has nothing in me. Nothing. He cannot accuse me of anything. 
I fulfilled every law. I was perfectly obedient for my children. My obedience is their obedience. This is why we have a standing before God where where the words of Satan cannot harm us because we're accepted in the Beloved. Oh, they may come and they may wail upon us and they may cause us to to do things that, that that are not pleasing to God. But they cannot condemn us because we're in Christ Jesus where there's no condemnation. You shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now, this one's, this one's very humbling to me. This one is. They were all told to rise and kill at the same, on the same day, in the same evening. And what does this signify? You know, when I talk to people, one of the greatest marks I always look for in the fruit of Christ being in someone is His humility. And knowing the child of God knows that it's His sin that Jesus died for. It's His sins that put Christ on the cross. As we look at this last statement, they shall rise and they shall kill it in the evening. I know it's not pleasing to our flesh. I know it's not. I know we like to, you know, I look back at the account, I read it, and I say, oh, Pilate, why did you wash your hands? Peter would tell us in Acts that all of them came together and conspired under the sovereignty of God, and, and we like to sit there and point a finger and say, that's right, they did that. And those religious leaders, they put him to death. And all of that's true. It really is. All of that's historically true. But the child of God knows in his heart. The child of God knows that Jesus came to this earth to lay down his life for him or her who's in Christ. No other reason. Man didn't put him there. This was the plan of God to come and to lay down his life for his children. How great is Christ our Passover? That's what I want. I pray the Holy Spirit comes today and witnesses to you how great Christ our Passover is. How great is He in this perfect plan of redemption to lay down His life for His his own. But that's not all. Verse 7 comes and we're told... They shall take of the blood that's caught in the basin. As the blood is drained from the lamb, it's caught in the basin. What are you to do with the blood? You shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So where you are communing there, where you're about to consume the body of the lamb and you're about to consume the lamb, make sure that the blood is covering you. Make sure that you are under the blood. What do you do? The blood is applied to the doorpost. We'll table that discussion till we get to what it's for. Verse 8 says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, 
and it'll be roasted with fire. And of course, when I think of fire, I think of the great indignation poured out upon Christ for the sins of His people. Propitiatory work as He absorbed the wrath of the Father. I think of my God as a consuming fire. They shall eat the flesh and that night roasted with fire and unleavened bread. As we see in our text today, the unleavened bread was without sin. That's what Christ our sacrifice is, without sin. That's what we are as we partake in Christ. That's what we are. Our sins are covered. Our sins are put away. Our sins are nailed on the tree. We're in Christ's righteousness. We're clothed with the robe of Christ and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. The bitter herbs is the sorrow. The bitter herbs is the sorrow that, that Christ, the, the painfulness of the death that He went through, the alienation from the Father that He went through, what He went through for you and I. The bitterness of the herbs for you and I today is to see that it is our sin. You know, I grew up in the Methodist church. And every year, every year at the time of... Uh, the resurrection, we would meet on a Thursday night and we would have a dinner. And that dinner was had lamb and it had some bitter herbs and it had some nasty stuff put together to show us how nasty and how bitter this taste was. And we all gathered around the table. And I did this year after year. I hated it, by the way, because I didn't like the idea of eating lamb. But I never in all of those years heard that it was Christ. Never. All of those years, I was taught that it was an ordinance that God gave those people, and it was for those people, and it had no significance. Is that we do it now just to, to thank God that He was there with them at that time. What emptiness that is. What emptiness religion is if Christ isn't the center. What emptiness ordinances are if Christ isn't the one that's being exalted in it. Eat not of it raw, verse 9, nor sodden it all with water, but roast it with fire again, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. That's so important. Why is that important? We must partake upon the whole Christ. The entire Christ. It must be all of Him. It must be Christ is all and in all. It can't be a mixture of law and grace. It cannot be a mixture of what I do and what He does. It can't be looking at God's justice and His love and how much He loves and mercy and not understand His justice. Not understand and bow and say you are equally glorified by your the ones in reprobation as you are in the ones in election. All of Christ must be consumed. Not parts. Not take to the Christ, which I've heard this week many times, a couple of conversations I had about how we pick, how we choose, what we do for Him, what, we, what He does for us. That's not salvation. That's a man-made religion that's concocted to make sure man has a part in it. That's not what our text tells us. The entire Christ must be consumed. All of Him must consume the life of the believer. 
As we, as we face the fears, as we face the uncertainty, the answer and the deliverance must be Christ. It can't be our health professionals. It can't be where we live. It can't be the things we do. It can't be how we wash our hands. It can't be how the masks are put on. It's Christ. Christ is our Passover. And if He is to pass over any pestilence or any disease or anything that afflicts the believer today, it's because He passes it over. Not because of you and I. Christ is our Passover. You shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning shall be burnt with fire. Now that means all consumed. All of Christ consumed. All of the lamb, all of the goat consumed. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. In haste. Well, for them, they were about to go on a journey. They were about to go in deliverance. You and I walk out into this world every day. And if Christ has armored us, if Christ has put our armor on, if Christ is our life, we are to go out into this world in haste. Hasting what? Walking in the way of Christ. That's what that means. You Remember, what, remember when Zacchaeus was up in the tree and, and the Lord came to him and spotted him and met him there and told him, Make haste! Come down out of that tree. Flee what the world says to you today. Flee all of what Satan has to say. Make haste to come to Christ. What does that mean? That's what He gives us. He makes haste. How many times can you testify today that in the middle of fear or in the middle of your wandering, when the Lord comes like that, it's instantaneous. There is no fear anymore. There's deliverance. He makes haste. We in Him make haste. This is not a life to sit back and live and just let it all pass by and say, well, Lord, You've done it all. It's an active life of living in Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Because He has done it all. He has went first. But you know, if He's gone first, that means we come after Him. My sheep hear My voice and they follow Me. It's an active life. That's the life of the believer in Christ. Yes, readied for the day. The soberness of the day. Every day now in this country, you're going to be bombarded with fears. Fear-mongering. And soberness. We need the mind of Christ to tell us what's real. To tell us what's, what's really Necessary for our life here in Him. What is life in Him? Lord, what is that life You have for me today? Where would You have me to go? What would You have me to do? What is pleasing to You? That's how we make haste in Him. And that haste may be to be readied in the armor of the Lord to sit and wait. That may be all it is. To sit and wait. 
Oh, David said that many times. How hard that was for him at times to sit and wait. And how other times it was beautifully written, I wait, therefore I wait upon the Lord. I wait upon the Lord. I wait upon the Lord. I would never want you to walk out of here and say, oh, that message is telling me to get out there and run out in the world. It's not what I'm telling you. Make haste to Christ. It's a big difference. Big difference than what we hear in this world. It'll drive us crazy. I know it's I know it will. Thus you shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. We already heard in our text this morning. Christ is our Passover. So we know. This happened a long time ago, but Paul said for them at that time, guess what? For you and I, same time, the Lord is our Passover. Now I want you to look at this first article in verse 12. For I. You know, I've watched a lot of movies in my day about Moses and about this, and they always picture it as the angel of death. You'll hear that today. Angel of death. You hear it all? The angel of death came through. Where is that at? Somebody tell me where that's at. See, nobody likes this part about God. Nobody likes to speak about His judgment. Nobody likes to sit up and say, God's brought this dearth and this scourge upon this land today. But let's read it. I will pass through the land of Egypt. He came with the sword of justice. He came with judgment. He has come today throughout this world in judgment. He has. My sovereign Lord for His glory. Not the circumstances of man. Not where it all began. Boy, man loves to find blame, don't they? They're close to finding out who the person was. I wouldn't want to be that person. But who the person was that started all of this. Man's got to put blame on everything. Well, I got news for you. Our text tells us today that our sovereign God reigns over everything in this world and there's nothing uh, done outside of His will for His glory. That's what He says. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and I and, I, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I am. And He will not share His glory with any man-made inventions or whatever they call things or whatever they dress it up because we can't say it was God. Because God is love. God is love. God is love to His people. He is. And God is love to Himself and His triune Lord. That's a deep statement. He owes no man anything. Jesus said that. I came not to be ministered to, but to minister. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And then we come to the last verse we'll read today in Exodus. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. You know what we're about to read? We're about to read conditional salvation. Here's the only condition of your salvation is this. 
And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's it. That's how we're accepted in the Beloved. When the Father sees the blood, when He sees the blood of the Lamb, when He sees the blood of His Son that flowed for His children, that's the only salvation. It's in the blood. The power is in the blood. blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are when I see the blood I will pass over you you know I know you know I've read many things about saints in the past and and the things that the Lord has allowed and purposed in their life Romans 8.28 tells us that they're all purposed for our good if the Lord was to put this scourge that's in this land upon us today, it would be for our good. And it would never change the fact that He has passed over death. He has passed over hell. He has passed over the sting of death. All of those things He has passed over because of the blood. Because of the blood whatever takes place in this life, it's under His providential care. And it's for our good if we be in Him. That's where we're accepted in Him. I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. Oh yeah, it's appointed unto all of us to die, but not to destruction. Not to destruction when I smite the land of Egypt. Now go back to our text in 1 Corinthians 5. I'll say a few other things here before we end. Now what's going on in 1 Corinthians 5 is there's this particular person in the church there that has done a particular sin, a heinous sin, and, and Paul has said, put him out. Cast him out of the assembly. Cast him out of the church. Why is that? Well, we read in, in 4, 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That's it. The Lord Jesus Christ saves to the uttermost. I was just talking to Steph about that. You know, in this life, all we have is to look for the fruit. If, if Christ's fruit is in another individual, um, and when we don't see it, when it's not there, when we see the opposite of that, it causes us to, what, what, other, what other conclusion can we draw? Christ is not in that person. But that doesn't mean they're not saved. It does not mean that Christ won't come to that person. It's been my problem in the past. Well, that person, that, that means you're condemned. Well, if you stay in that state, if you're not delivered out of that state, absolutely. But if He comes, I mean, listen to this highness sin, whatever it is. This, what, put Him out to the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where salvation is. We've seen many, many what I'd call nasty sins in this book that the Lord has nailed to the tree. 
Your glorying is not good, verse 6. Don't glory in what's going And you know, dear ones, take heed to this. What you see in this life, what other people are going through, the child of God is not to glory in what they're going through. We're two ways. We're not to sit there and excuse the sins of others, or we're not sitting there to condemn the others of sin. We're not to glory in it. We're not to sit there and even harp on it or to sit there and, and talk about it to the extent where it consumes us. That's what we just saw in our text, that Christ is to consume us. Not the things of this world or the people of this world, but Christ. So your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven. Young ones, listen to this. You get out into this world and you think a little bit of sin isn't bad for you. It, can, it takes your whole being. It affects all of you. No matter what that sin is. Not just the young ones, the older ones do. A little leaven leavens the entire life. It, it affects your entire body. It affects all of you. That little excuse or that little thing that little lie starts to permeate your mind and then starts to work on your body and you start to be scared or you might start maybe you don't even have any of those thoughts you become harder and bitter that's the way sin is that little leaven leavens the whole lump but that's also in the corporate of what Paul's saying here in the body of Christ if that little leaven comes in if that little oh well you know maybe that's not what the Bible says. Maybe it's this. Maybe it, that affects the whole lump. Very good warning. And that's when we come to our text in 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven. And we all have that old leaven. That's, this is what's called mortification. Well, how do we do that? Well, he tells us Christ's our Passover. Sit there and we say, oh, oh, we're, we're enjoined to do something again. Let's get, our, let's get our sword out. Let's start mortifying. No, no, no. See, that's the beauty of the gospel. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Him. It's about what He's done. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. That unleavened is without sin. How are we without sin? Only in Christ. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians... 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things in Christ are new. I think about that often as I listen to things and I read things and I say, you know, I wonder how many thoughts the people we go through. You know, well... What am I going to read today? Or what, am I, what do I go to in the, in the Word? Does the Gospel get tiring to you? Does it get, oh, it's the same story. Let, let me, I don't believe it does for the child of God. I don't. I believe He needs to hear it over and over again. I believe He needs to hear what Christ has done. I, think, I believe the child of God needs to hear that Christ is, our, is my Passover. That Christ, because of His blood... I'm accepted by the Father. As sinful as I believe I am, those sins are covered by the blood. And then he says, For even Christ, our Passover, 
is sacrificed for us. Christ is our Passover. That's what we've been looking at all day. What does that mean? What does that mean? The Lord has passed over the penalty of sin. The Lord has passed over all of those things that the world is under. The curse. You haven't kept the law. You uh, every bit of all, So you're cursed to die. But in the body of Christ, in the blood of Christ, is where we have salvation. Is Christ our Passover? And as I said today, as we, as this is applied by the Holy Spirit, as we walk out of this door today, and we have all of these fears and all of these concerns, if we're preserved, we're preserved only by Christ our Passover. And and, and turn with me now, just over to the, and we'll probably be here in a couple weeks, but. Go with me now over to 1 Corinthians 15. I just want to read how it ends. Because if this doesn't tell us about Him being our Passover, nothing does. Oh boy. We'll just we'll back up a little. Uh, just to, Of course, Paul talking about the Lord, talking about His resurrection, our resurrection, what the Lord has, has done to overrule the decay and, and is, brought, is going to bring forth a new body. You know why? He passed over corruption. That's why. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. There's your first Passover. He passed over the corruption of the body by raising it anew. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. What did he pass over? death. Boy, what do we face with every day? What did, what did Hebrews tell us? Hebrews 2, 15, I believe. Tells us that all our lives were subject to the fear of death. It is. We see the headlines as we get older. It starts to mean a lot more to us. And we look at it and we say, oh gosh, what? <laughs> we're subject to those fears because of our fallen nature. But here's the good news of the Gospel. He's passed over death. There's no death for the child of God. The child of God passes from this life into the next life with His Lord. Safe and secure in the bosom of His God. He's provided everything for us. Everything. (coughs) Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? It's passed over. Oh, grave, where is your victory? It's passed over. By who? Christ our Passover. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Where is sin? Where is the law? Passed over? Kept? Put away? All of these things in Christ. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's it. That's He's our Passover. That's what that means. He's our Passover. Oh, the power of the blood. Matthew 26, 28 says, For this is My blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, 7, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness according to the riches of His grace. 
And finally, in Revelation 1.5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Notice that, first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. All of that is passed over because of the blood. We are washed and safe and secure under the blood. Impress the blood upon you today. May he show you the victory in what he's done on the cross. May he show you that today because it's just important today as it took place in history and as it took place in eternity. Therefore, last verse, my, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in what? In what you do and how you obey. And no, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In Christ our Passover. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our labor outside of the Lord is very much vanity. Our labor in the Lord is His labor. To Him be all glory. Dear Heavenly Father, may you impress upon us this hour the power of the blood of Thy Son and reveal to us this day that You, Lord, are our Passover. That your Son has been ordained to be our Passover. Reveal to each one of thy children in this room and whoever is listening that thou would be pleased to reveal the power of Christ our Passover. The depth of the meaning for the glory of thee. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.